Hello and welcome back to Upgrade on Relay FM. This is episode 10 of Upgrade. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Text Expander from Smile, where you can type more with less effort and hover. Simplified domain management. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by your host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Mr. Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing uh, I'm doing great. I had a minor flood in my uh, laundry room mm-hmm. moments ago, but mm-hmm. there are many towels. Towels are good at absorbing floods, and uh, nothing seems to have shorted out. So, doing great. Are you, are you well grounded? Um, I hope so. I am wearing my I am wearing my uh, wearing my, uh, my tennis shoes, sneakers, or trainers, perhaps you would call them, and uh, so I'm hopeful that I've I've uh, I'm I'm insulated from the flood if should it come good good uh, yeah if the floods come i am ready oh man okay so you should build a, you should build a podcast arc you know just in case that's a good po- idea you you know podcasting is back did you hear i did hear about that actually i heard <laughs> the rumors and we've reached double digits so we're we're uh we're alive and kicking at 10 that means that means it's been uh uh, ten ten weeks of my post uh, Macworld life because I I uh, started two po- two podcasts that week, <laughs> the week oh, that's after. Interesting. You'll be and, able and, to judge it as it goes further and further mm-hmm. into the future. Yeah, upgrade and TV Talk Machine are both at episode ten this week because I started those two podcasts ten weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that is. So it's yeah, my site actually Six Colors has been up for exactly two months now. It's uh, congratulations since, uh, September sixteenth. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Here I am. Yeah, that's still live. That's the interesting thing about like most of the relay shows, right? Where they were new, they're all the same episode number, right? Like obviously, it's starting to change a bit now, but it's it's it was funny, and it still is because it's like thirteen, 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 thirteen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like it though. Yeah, one of these days, Casey's just going to be like, "I can't, I can't, uh, baby, ah, er, can't," and then you know that one's going to get behind. Yep. That's my prediction. Is he's gonna be like, how about we? Although then again, I don't know. Maybe it's his lifeline. These podcasts that he's on. <laughs> he's escaped. <laughs> like, I mean, he does work. He does work outside the home, and therefore, you know, it's. I just remember from the first three weeks uh, when my daughter was born. My daughter who just turned thirteen. So it's amusing to watch Casey go through having a newborn, and I just got a teenager. Um, so I, I, but I was thinking back to then and I, I was home for, I think three weeks and it was, um, after week one or half of week one, it was the cabin fever was high. I was like going to home Depot and bringing back cabinets and <laughs> storage bins and things like that. Like let's do projects. Cause we're just sitting with a sleeping baby. Otherwise, I think um, yeah, Casey's yeah. like partly back at work now. Yeah. Oh, he's doing what I did with, especially with my second, when my son was born, um, I took, I sort of scattered my leave and vacation time. So I did a week off and then a week where I went in like a couple days and then another, you know, then a bunch of three day weeks. And I just sort of scaled it a little bit, which I think is smart because yeah, just being gone and then suddenly being full time after having that baby and being under that sort of sleep stress is uh, pretty crazy. It's just the paternity vertical. It could it could be parenting vertical. It's possible. We we've stumbled into a vertical. Even before we get to follow up, we are uh, verticalizing. Should we do That's some follow up? Uh, <laughs> should we do some follow up, Mike? Yes. One of these days, we're not going to have any follow up. I'll, I'll make it up. Day. Don't worry. I'll find something. We will. Okay. I have um 
I have a little bit of Taylor Swift follow-up. I never thought I would say that, but Taylor Swift follow-up is a thing. Uh, part of this, we talked about this last week, about this is following up on follow-up about when I was talking about streaming services and pointing out that uh, you know they're shifting sands and you could have things disappear from your library and Taylor Swift pulled her music from Spotify. That There was a, a back and forth last week where the guy from Spotify said, we're paying you a lot of money. And her people were saying, well, no, it's not really a lot of money. And it turned out that um, the truth lies in the middle where uh, Taylor Swift's people were quoting the figure that she made in the U.S. last year from streaming. So basically the smallest number possible. And Spotify was like half was, a million or something. Yeah, half a million. And, and Spotify was, and this made me laugh, uh, they took the worldwide figure and then took the trend line of <laughs> of where payments were going to estimate her payment for next year, which is cheating. Because she has uh, a new album out right now. That's why the trend yeah. line is so good. <laughs> yeah, so that that was that's cheating. And then, well, and there's Spotify growth and all that. But... Um, so that was interesting and it has brought up a lot of uh, a lot of people have had opinions about this and I, you know I think like we were talking last week it's worth talking about um you want to find a sustainable place right and you don't want artists to uh say well forget it uh this is bad we're going to pull out of these services um but at the same time the artists do need to make a living so you need to find a sustainable place and the argument now seems to be taylor swift on one side and spotify on the other she's saying it's not and they're saying it is sustainable and you know the problem is it's unclear to me as somebody not in the music business whether taylor swift is using her clout to represent all artists right and and they're like she's going to make her money regardless and she's okay with that but she's got a a soapbox to stand up for other artists rights or whether she's just concerned about what taylor swift is going to make and that what she says doesn't really apply to anybody but like the top 20 artists and i don't know i don't know the facts there but i think everybody who loves music would and loves streaming services wants this to work right we want it to be something where it's great for consumers. You pay your monthly fee. You can listen to what you want. What you want is there <laughs> and doesn't disappear and that the artists get paid. I, I, that's really what everybody wants. I think there's no way it will it will ever even out. Like no. Artists are never going to make as much from streaming services as they made from selling their albums directly. I, yes. I, I'm not sure artists made money from selling their albums directly, Good though, point. really, right? Good because the, the record companies took all that money. So... So, so that's where, like, I go back to to my my feeling on this is that in the long run, it will even out if you don't if you don't if you ignore the actual money coming from the music itself, because in theory, it allows more people to find out about you, and therefore people buy concert tickets because that's where right. that seems. You're, to, or, or you're making like the Dave Grohl argument. You're yeah. making the Dave Grohl argument, which is, look, I don't really care about. I mean, he, Dave Grohl, uh, said basically, I've written off album sales, whatever. Um, if they like my music, they'll come to my show, and that's where I make my money. And that's that's actually true for a lot of artists. Is that historically the record companies have taken so much of the money that uh, y- the artists couldn't make it on album sales anyway. So you know, I would argue that that is maybe wrong, like 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 morally wrong, and that that new technology coming in could potentially um, right some of those wrongs and bring that money directly to the artists in a way that it hasn't. And you see that with things like artists doing Kickstarters and Indiegogos. And I've bought my last 
what two Mike Doty albums uh, direct from him using uh, I think Indiegogo and I did a they might be giants thing where I paid them directly and I got concert tickets and uh, and their album releases and I just re-upped where they're doing a thing called dial a song direct where uh, it's part of their in- instant fan club where you pay them directly and they give you stuff right and I, so I, I look there, there are I, options there I looked at that dial a song thing for for this year and i don't understand how they make any money from it well i think i think they make a little but uh and i think it's because it's direct because they're eliminating the middleman there but yeah like this the the dial song direct i think you pay like 30 bucks or something and you just get some songs um the the instant fan club for they might be giants you pay what a hundred dollars and you get two concert tickets you get two album releases and you get the the weekly like dial song music and some like merch um you know I, I it's probably not a huge money maker but it does attach them directly to their biggest fans which i think is i think is kind of cool but anyway these so these are options are out there too and maybe that's where the future of this stuff is is the super fans it's the spotify isn't for the super fans spotify is extra and then you get your money through super fans buying stuff direct from you and um and uh your concerts and maybe that's it and that's fine that's fine if that's the case but uh, Taylor Swift is still not on Spotify, so my argument that uh, that uh, just like Netflix, music services may have this problem where your favorite artist just vanishes. Uh, maybe that will happen in the long run. It needs to be solved because it will make it will devalue these services if this is the case. But I fear that we are in a period of upheaval where artists are going to be doing this, and contract disputes are going to happen, and catalogs are going to disappear from the music services too and that'll be bad for for those services and the people who use them we mentioned Foo Fighters um yeah I thoroughly recommend their new album Sonic Highways I, I, I didn't mention Foo Fighters I mentioned Nirvana but that's a that's a disconnect between us oh interesting I know I like Foo Ooh. Fighters too it's fine but uh, yeah they're... I just you know you're you're a young whippersnapper and and uh, Dave Grohl was in a band before Foo Fighters anyway I know I know I know the history but yes uh I love the new album um I've been listening to it on Beats Music <laughs> <laughs> but on Friday they uh, no tomorrow I think tomorrow morning uh no it's Friday they have uh, tickets going on sale for their tour and I'm going to wake up especially early to get in line to oh. buy tickets and that's because nice. I love the new album so it works so that's our, that's our music vertical music vertical <laughs> check um, let's see what other what we're other follow up we're going to come back to Spotify in a bit actually I think okay that's good that makes sense yeah we'll get there yeah um, setup follow up we talked about our setups last week uh-huh. um and I know that was hard for some of us mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad afterward. I'm like, you know, Mike was really good on the show about it, but now I'm a little concerned that that, that Mike has been upset by our <laughs> discussion of his of his setup. Um, so I, I hope you're okay. I, I haven't I, been I, upset. I, I've just been uh, slightly uh, uh, harassed. Um, and, ah. and uh, slightly, I've just been trying not to think about it. Basically, okay, is has been my my uh, my attack at the moment. However, you know, I say harass. People have had very, um, they've had very good suggestions for me mm. in 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 all. But my main thing is, I don't I don't necessarily want to change anything about the way that I work right now. 
Well, that, that goes back to you being your own IT guy, where mm-hmm. yes, you know you're you're being exactly. very conservative, and, and you know when I said that, I, I really meant you're being very conservative in your tech decisions for what you're doing now because you've got um, you've got a business and you've got particular needs and you've got a workflow that works for you, and just like any IT person I saw in like the publishing industry, like at, at MacWorld, uh, the editors would install new updates immediately and be like. Woo! whatever new software we'll do whatever but the people who did like the design and the copy editors those those uh computers were very rarely updated uh it was a very conservative approach because they were the ones who who had to get the magazine out and uh you know they had the adobe software and all that and it was a very different kind of thing where it's like let's not mess this up just because it's fun whereas editors that was our job was to just mess things up for fun. Um, and so I think that's the position you're in, which is you want to be careful. You don't want to mess anything up. You, you're out on your own now building this business. Um, you know, you want to be careful about how you do it. And that, I think that makes perfect sense. And it's very easy for the internet to get judgmental about that and be like, oh, come on, just buy a thing. And you're like, well, no, I'm not going to buy that thing right now. I'm going to make my own priorities. And, and that's quite right. Yeah, that's, that is exactly it. Thank you. Although listener Kyle uh, on Twitter uh, and in the chat room as we speak uh, did point out that Mountain Lion supports AirDrop, so you could AirDrop your files from your uh, from your Mac Mini to your uh, your MacBook Pro. Yeah, I've not tried that out yet, but that is one that that I will I'll maybe have a go with. I'll see. All right. Um, also, so, some follow up for me. Uh, Alexander uh, Vacic, I'm going to say, Radiant AV on Twitter, said, I am very surprised that as a prolific writer as Jason is, he would use such a terribly uncomfortable desk with a slide-out keyboard tray. Mm. Now, so some some judgment, feeling some judgment from mm-hmm, the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote him back and basically said, well, I'm the one at the desk and you're the one looking at a picture, so who's better at judging how uncomfortable it is? <laughs> I love your responses to things like this. <laughs> right? I mean, really, like one photo and you've decided it's uncomfortable, I'm sitting at it, maybe I have a better idea. His, his point in the end uh, was that he hates keyboard trays and that uh, he has had an experience where he, you know, he does the hover thing where you're hover, hover, hover. Uh, he, he, where he, you know, your hands are, which you shouldn't do when you're typing, which is when you're paused and you're thinking or you're reading something on screen to hold your hands over your keyboard and suspend them there. Like you're ready to type at any, at a moment's notice. That's really bad for your hands and your wrists and your arms and your shoulders. It's just bad. You should not do that. You should type when you need to type and not hover when when you're not typing and he said he had you know he had pain from doing that and that the the problem with the keyboard trays you can't rest your hands on it because it's all flimsy and that's all true to the point that although i was okay with my old setup i have actually for the last few days been trying it with the keyboard tray off with the imac higher up on the arm and further back on the desk and my keyboard and uh, trackpad on the desktop instead of in the keyboard tray. And it's different, and I'm not sure I like it, but um, I'm giving it a try because I never really loved keyboard trays too. It was more, if you've got an adjustable keyboard tray and a a monitor on an arm and a sit-stand desk, you can literally put your keyboard, your desktop, and your um, display at any height. And that's what I had. And there are some advantages to that. Uh, But I'm kind of interested in this approach where... um, 
where the keyboard is on the the solid surface instead of on the flimsy keyboard tray. So I'm trying that out, and I'm not sure whether it's better or worse. I can barely get my my desk low enough to uh, to make this work, and my chair high enough, but it does work. So I'm going to give that a try. We're all going through changes. Yeah, it happens. Workspaces. Mm-hmm. I have a Nerf Nick and Nerf brain ball follow up. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't we? I. <laughs> It's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that it turns out that they're going for a lot of money on eBay. Um, a listener NJ Green wrote in th- with a link to a uh, $130 brain ball on eBay. Uh, and listener Greg uh, tweeted, uh, are you absolutely sure that your Nerf brain isn't for sale? To which I said, you couldn't afford it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, no, they're not for sale. Uh, but it turns out that yes, the the uh, these two. I think I have a third in a box somewhere, but I have two out in my in my office here. These two orange uh, Nick and Nerf brain balls from the nineties. Um, you have are, you have mint in box. I I don't have mint in box. So ah. this is this, this is this is the other thing. Somebody and I'm not sure who said. I hope you've still got the containers because they're really worth something. And and, and that I don't have because as I said uh, a couple weeks ago, the brain balls came to the MacWorld offices. Um, Back, I mean, way back, back when we were on Howard Street and down in San Francisco and not on 2nd Street. So this is right after the Macworld Mac user merger. So it's, you know, it's late 90s. And uh, it was part of, I don't know, some piece of of software, maybe mind mapping. I don't remember what it was, but they sent sent a box and like a lot of PR things, they send it with like... Well, I will get their attention by having not just a press release and a box with software, but a brain... And we'll say, oh, think clearer with our software or whatever it is. So they obviously they paid an intern or somebody to take them out of the boxes, the original boxes, and just put them in their mailer with their stuff and mail that to tech industry people. Um, so I don't have the box because I did literally collect from my coworkers who did not, who had just kept them at their desks and didn't care about them. I collected the extras like two years later. I'm like, no, I'll take that brain ball if you're not using it. So. That's the story with the brain ball. So I don't have it mint in box. They are definitely used. Although the 131 on eBay is used. Yeah, so very clearly. These, these are like gold, Mike. They're like gold. Which is why my other bit of brain ball follow-up is terrifying. My daughter had her birthday party this weekend. As I said, she turned 13. And uh, she had a bunch of girls over. There were like eight girls in our house. And it was pretty crazy. They were outside. They did some tie-dyeing. They hung out in her room. They And they hung out for a little while in our garage, which is not just my office, but there's a big beanbag chair here and there's a TV and they can, and when I'm not using it, the idea is it, it, it's also a place for teenagers to go and not be near us, which is, that's a feature. Yeah. Um, I came out uh, after they had all left late that night, Saturday night, to discover um, on the floor in various cor- far corners of the house, both of my brain balls. So the girls had been playing with the brain balls. And Don't they know um, the worth? <laughs> I well, that was exactly what I thought is this goes for $130 on eBay. Um so I haven't said anything to my daughter about it yet, but I I I'm uh, actually what I did what I did tell her was, "Hey, the stuff that's on my desk needs to be off limits and don't let anybody play with the stuff that's on my desk." I, what I didn't say is like my precious precious orange foam brain. Yeah, don't but don't tell her how much they cost or one day one of no. them will just go suspiciously just missing. Just gone. <laughs> Who knows where it went. So that's uh orange foam brain follow up. Vertical. Done. Shall we um 
because we have we have another piece of follow up. I think it might it might stretch a bit. So should we should we talk about hover now and then? I I would like to hear from uh, some friends some, right now in my in my moment of need where I'm upset about uh, my potentially damaged uh, brain balls. I would like to hear from a friend. Well, let let me cheer you up, Jason, by telling you about our very good friends at Hover. They are the best way to buy and manage domain names. Hover has been my choice for as long as I can remember from when I became sensible. Because before Hover, my life was crazy, trying to navigate the obstacle course of domain management. But Hover has cleared all of that up. Once you need a name, once it can either be a name for a new project, or maybe you want to play a joke on me and Jason and set up like manchegocheese.fm or something, you can right. go to Hoy Telephone Ahoy. dot uh, yeah. plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Hover and get all of this. They have a really great way of searching for domains. You just type in the words that you're looking for, and they'll give you all of the top level domain options that are available. They have over 200 different top level domains. As Jason mentioned, they have plumbing dot plumbing if you want it. They have dot academy dot coffee. They have dot uh, sexy if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. They also have your standards like dot com dot co dot me dot net. Brainball.sexy. Brainball.sexy. Brainball.xyz if you want it as well. Basically, you could monopolize all of the Brainball domains by just going to hover and registering them all in one easy go. And if you do do something like register 100 domains for Brainball, then you can take advantage of their volume discounts when it comes for renewal time. So uh, if you have loads and loads of discount, uh, loads and loads of domains of hover, they can uh, give you a discount when you renew them all. They have fantastic customer support they have a no hold no wait no transfer telephone support policy they have great email stuff as well so if you want to email them and get some uh, support that way they're really great at that they have loads of written guides and help documents if you want to transfer domains over and do domain management stuff but they also have their valet service where they can do all those transfers for you hover give you free who is privacy of every domain because they believe in keeping your private information private go right now to hover.com and try them out you want to use the code verticals at checkout, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for upgrade. That is verticals, V E R T I C A L S, at checkout. Thank you so much to Hover <laughs> for sponsoring this show and supporting Real FM. Our friends. Our friends. Our good friends. At Hover. At Hover. If those, and also my other mic translation for that spot would be uh, when he says XYZ, he means XYZ. Yes. Yes, you need to go to uh, Hover for your XYZ. Yes, that's thank you. Well done. <laughs> I I love that they that Hover are embracing this because basically it's just becoming a war of pronunciation, <laughs> and, and they're just they're letting us go with it. So I appreciate so that. I have I have some. We're we're into the UK US vertical now. Um, I I wanted to mention I had an episode of The Incomparable that I posted this weekend, um, which is uh was about web comics and uh that's one word because in the episode you'll hear john syracuse say one word web comics not web comics it's one word web comics it's like all right all right and then like seriously it's like i will never ever write that as two words again because john syracuse has told me it's bad it's just i do what he says so um there was a reference in there to a comic called axe cop and and uh, tony sindelar tells a story about a guy who who um who uh, he saw at PAX that he thought was a, a, a cop, an actual cop. Um, but it turns out it was an axe cop cosplayer. So he was a co- guy wearing, essentially impersonating an officer, but he had a hatchet, and so it was okay. But w- what um, what Tony said was impressive is that he had, he had a natural, authentic cop mustache. 
and I I uh, I thought Authentic Cop Mustache was a really great title, uh, so I decided that was going to be the title. And then I had that moment of like, well, wait, aren't there two different ways to spell mustache? And indeed, that let me led me into a dictionary um, bottomless pit of Ooh. dictionary definitions, where I discovered that Americans spell mustache M U S T A C H E, and non-American English speakers tend to spell it M O U S T A C H E. I had no idea. So anyway, I spelled it the American way, just like how gray. So my, my you know, question, how gray you... is the same way. The, the rule with gray, by the way, is very easy because if you're American, you spell it with an A and if you're English, you spell it with an E. Oh, that's nice. It's good to remember. If you're Australian, I, I'm sorry. You should probably spell it with an A, but you probably spell it with an E. So my question <laughs> to, to you with the mustache, the mustache thing mm-hmm. is how do you – I mean, like, we know Movember because it's M-O – and we also call, and they're also referred yeah. to as mo's, you know. A mustache yeah. is referred to as a mo. Interesting, right? Because that, it's pronounced mo. Because it's pronounced mustache. No, spelt that way. Oh, I do know many spelt. people spelt spelt, which we would say spelled. Uh, oh man, I know many people that that, that call them mustaches, <laughs> but there you go. That's another thing I, for another time. Mustachio. Uh, I don't know. It's it's stupid, but it's just yet another way where our uh, our common language separates us. Mm-hmm. So that's your US UK hover. 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 Ah, follow up. So last uh, we're week we're almost done. <laughs> last week we spoke about um podcasting. Podcasting is back. And this is you're going to hear this everywhere at the moment because everybody's mm-hmm. really interested in it. Um and especially on other podcasts that you listen to, I'm sure everyone's going to talk about it, but we get to go there first because it's Monday. Because it's Monday, yeah. Um, we spoke last week about Serial and what that's doing, and now there's all these like Wall Street Journal articles and stuff. And then there's been more stuff over the weekend, and uh, like Marco wrote a, a, a very interesting post about um, about podcasts and sponsorship and and the way that that all that all that sort of stuff is growing. But then today, as we record this, which is the 17th of November 2014, there seems to have been some rumors floating around that Spotify is going to enter the the podcasting game Mm. and become a provider of spoken word audio content. Um, So, and then Jason Snell in in, uh, who? It's just some guy in response to this wrote a great post on his site, sixcolors.com. And I believe that my co host Jason uh, knows Mr. Jason Snell and can comment on his uh, opinions. I, yes, I have his uh, Nerf uh, brain ball right here. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was that. Well, this came up this morning this the TechCrunch story about uh, Spotify having sort of secret podcasting features built in. And it led to a whole discussion on the little back channel from Relay. And and, uh, Stephen Hackett wrote a post on his site, and I wrote a post on my site about it. And I think think it's interesting because... I think we can debate whether whether uh, whether Spotify is a brand for. They probably would say we are a brand for listeners, and mm-hmm. podcasting is one of the ways people listen to things. Uh, and I would say well, maybe it's a music brand, and I'm not sure whether it, it, people are going to want to listen to spoken word on Spotify. That seems like a pretty different use case. But I could maybe maybe. But there the, was the a, lar- there was another yeah, pretty big music brand that that brought podcasts in there, wasn't there? So iTunes. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Although that's different in that iTunes is sort of this catalog of they have audiobooks and they have and they have podcasts and all of that. But it is true Apple has the big the big library for 
for podcasting. And um, so in my piece, which I've been meaning to write for a while, and I may have even mentioned it on a previous show, this idea that podcasting is having a moment. That's really great. Um, Apple is uniquely positioned, I think, to give it a boost. I'm not sure whether it will or not. I'm not sure whether Apple cares enough. It's not really at the core of Apple's business. But at the same time, I feel like... uh, Apple, more than any other single company, could probably boost the future of podcasting. And this is an interesting moment where, you know, like we said last week, we can roll our eyes at this rediscovery of the medium, but it's great that it's been rediscovered because it needed to be rediscovered because all those newspaper and magazine stories were written in 2005 about it. And the tech wasn't wasn't far along enough for it to become a mainstream hit. And it is now, but everybody sort of just saw it fizzled in 2005. And then b- below the radar, it continued to grow, but uh, it just never met the uh, outrageous expectations of 2005. So now we've all seen it grow. We've all adopted podcasting apps and are listening to all these podcasts all the time. And and um, I'm listening to several right now. <laughs> it's only slightly distracting. And, uh, you know, it's it's... It's good that people are rediscovering it. Writing an article in New York Magazine about it that gets passed around is good for everybody because it's going to bring more people in as listeners because they read about Serial and they want to listen to podcasts and then they'll say, what else can I listen to? It's great for uh, podcasters because um, I, I I really believe that major there are lots of major advertisers that... Um, you know, we would think they'd be really savvy in terms of technology and things like that. But no, actually, like an ad buyer at an ad agency who reads that story that that's getting passed around about podcasting, I really believe those people are going to be yeah. more likely to buy advertising because it's got that stamp that says, oh, this is a thing now. And before they might have been like, nah, podcasts, nobody cares about them anymore. It's just a hobby. And, but now it's like, oh, oh, did you hear they're back? And we can joke about, did you hear the podcasts are back? But that is a message that for people who are potentially buying podcast advertising is a big deal. And I do think that that also is going to reach um, potential listeners who are going to who are going to say that. And that's good for the medium. So I think it's all great, all great for the medium. But um, Marco Armand had a post this weekend that partially was throwing. <laughs> everybody including us who's done a podcast survey with the midroll where we ask people to fill out some survey information so we know more about who our listeners are i sort of threw them under the bus but uh the larger point that i thought was interesting was him pointing out quite rightly look the tech is evolving slowly not everybody's got bluetooth not everybody's car radios have bluetooth that works easily it's kind of hard to set up but it'll get there and i thought that was a good point too that not only are people uh, the tech's okay now, but it's going to get better. And this comes back to the larger point, which is somebody, somebody in something is going to put podcasting over the top. And, and you know, my piece on six colors, I'm saying really is Apple. You could argue it's Apple and Google with CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, but is it, could it be Spotify? Could the Spotify already with its uh, podcast integration, could it do it? Is, is some third party? I mean, we were talking on, on, not to give too much away on the relay back channel, but we came up with a billion dollar idea mm-hmm. about how we're going to completely revolutionize podcasting. Yeah. So some third party like us could, we could do that too. Billionaires, please contact us. We've got a, we got some great ideas. Great and ideas. Need your money. So mm-hmm. good. Just write us a check and we'll, uh-huh. we'll do it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, be the editorial director of brilliant podcast startup incorporated LLC, uh, GMBH, uh, whatever. 
X Y Z. So I think I don't know. I think it's I think it would be extremely good for the medium if Spotify got involved because I think it would push Apple even further into doing something because they know that they are the home. Um, whether people listen in Overcast or whatever, it doesn't matter. iTunes, the iTunes podcast directory remains the home. They make up a small percentage of our overall listenership. In some instances, like the highest is like 15 to 20% of our downloads come from iTunes mm-hmm. and the rest come from the third-party apps. Um, and that's in its highest. I think this show actually has the highest listenership in iTunes hmm. of all of our shows. The Incomparables iTunes and podcast app scores are higher i think i think the further you get out of the super like apple tech nerd sphere which yes, we're the higher deep, it gets. We're, we are we're deep down in this is where we live but I, I i think it gets bigger and bigger and i am i'm i'm fairly comfortable in saying the two most popular pieces of software to listen to podcasts are itunes and apple's podcast app mm, that is not what we see well, I mean, yeah, in in the world, but not not oh, for us. But, oh, oh, oh but, yes, in the but world, this, this, of, course, of course, in the world, right? So, so that's the and that's the challenge is getting across. It, it, you know, our audience already is aware of podcasts, right? But what about everybody else? That's the that's the question. So, I think things like Spotify would be good. I mean, we would of course put our shows into Spotify, provided they didn't have terms like Stitcher does, right? So right, right. Stitcher you has know, where you have to mention terms. you have to mention Spotify, or if they want to do something with your ads, like Spotify has got their premium service. Are they going to want to take your ads out, or you're going to have to put in because that's not how do we make money if they? There, there are a lot of questions, right? There are a lot of questions. Um, but in the uh, chat room, by the way, real time yeah. follow up about uh, several people saying podcasting is not podcast is not a good name, and I'm torn on that because I feel like. Um, a name ends up not meaning anything. Yeah, a name's and like it doesn't. You know, it's iPad. Whatever. Like jo- it's Joe Steele. Like Joe Steele has just taken the words right out of my mouth. A podcast by any other name would smell as sweet. It actually yep. doesn't matter. Leo Laporte tried to do it. He came up with a worse name. Uh, yes, in my netcast is, <laughs> yep. is so much worse. Not and he, good. he continues to to hold on to that. He's he's kind of well now. He's kind of given up. I think, oh, really? I think. Other than the fact that they've got it in their pre rolls and all of that, he, I hear him talk about podcasts all the time now. Okay. I think he's I think he's no longer trying to start a, a netcast revolution. There, there's no there's point. No, there's no point. I, I try to, to explain it now. to people as being that it's like on demand radio, or I mean, radio is probably the word you want to use for to talk about this stuff. Is like it's internet radio or something like that. But it's it's I'm not entirely convinced that there's another word out there that solves this um maybe a brand name maybe somebody's app uh does it or you know spotify has a again the the rumor is has a thing that says podcasts and i'm not if that that doesn't solve that problem but maybe somebody could come up with something that becomes a more generic concept than than podcasts because um in the end i i want i want regular people to be able to listen to podcasts and and, and more than that i want them I want that person who reads about the podcasts are back <laughs> and that cereal is really good to listen to cereal. And when they get caught up with cereal and there's no new episode for a week, I would like the podcast app that they're using to say, here's something else you might like. And that doesn't exist right now. That, that, that really, I mean, Stitcher will do that, I guess, but that's about it. And and Stitcher is bad for other, other reasons. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, it's early days for the medium, but I think it's great for the medium that we're having these conversations and that people are, are are taking notice again because we all think it's a great medium. I think, I think it's it's it's, it's an interesting time, and I'm very excited that that I'm involved in it. 
I also think that, you know, my the thing that I keep coming back to right now, you know, the reason why this is all happening, I genuinely think that in a few years' time there will be podcasting before and after iTunes and podcasting oh. before and after Serial. I do think that this is a a pivotal time in the industry is is this show because it is pulling people in and and I hope you know oh. going going on from what you were saying Jason I I do hope that what happens is people listen to this and they're like I quite like this what other things do I like I like tech and then they start right. searching around and then they find other shows and then they you know say I also like movies and they find other shows I also like video games you know and and I yeah. think that that is uh, that is pretty much what pulls people in anyway um and I'm seeing Serial is, is very interesting. I am coming into contact with many people now as I'm ta- telling people what I do for a living, telling me that they listen to Serial. Mm. That, that is happening um, in, in my life because I know that Serial is doing what podcasting always did but on a wider basis, which is word of mouth. That is how shows tend to grow um, because nobody advertises. There's no – people aren't av- – we don't up- advertise upgrade on This American Life, right? It, right. it doesn't work like that. We don't do that. Um, so people find out about this stuff through word of mouth and Syria was seeing that on a much wider base. Uh, my only hope is that, I mean, because I'm, I'm, I know you're not very far into Serial and there'll be no Serial spoilers here. Uh, I'm becoming increasingly more uncomfortable with the show and I hope that that doesn't, uh, that doesn't happen to mm. the wider base. Uh, I love it, but it's just, I'm starting to wonder what's the end of it. Right, but ideally, um, I mean, serial is is a it's storytelling. I mean, it is journalism, but it's storytelling, and yeah. it works because of the way the story is being told. And if presumably they have a good ending uh, that fits, endings are hard, but that fits with what's come before. We'll have to see. But yeah. um, but I think you're right. I I feel like we've had this conversation before about um, what's the podcast that's going to break out and and it hasn't happened, but Serial might be the one that, that does it at last. I mean, like Mark Marin had a bunch of stories about him, but it didn't seem to, you know, it, everyone is a little bit bigger. And this is certainly, I think, the biggest by far up to well, now. Well, iTunes are currently um, promoting with a banner that it's the, it's the show. It's reached 5 million downloads yeah. quicker than any show ever has. Yeah, I, I suspect that that's incorrect in some instances i would say that's probably five million through itunes so it means Mm -hmm. it's much larger and i expect that that number was is not right now i don't think it was immediate i think it hit five million a couple of weeks ago or something and then they talk about it but i I would expect it to be a much much larger um totals than that something that came up in the chat room that um that i think is worth mentioning again about the name and and uh how you try to explain even what they are to people, and it's a and it's a it's a hard thing to do. I I've mentioned before that I've yeah. explained to my mother several times what a podcast is, I'm and I struggling. think she still doesn't get it. But but this is my point: is calling it the label you put on it, whatever that label is, that's not the reason people don't get it. People don't get it because it's abstract. It's a it's a new kind of medium, um, and, and because the tech to get it is not as easy as it should be. I think those are the issues. I think the name is, it's easy to blame the name. The name is not the problem. The name may not be great, but the name is not the problem. The problem is that 
uh, when if my if my sister says I want to listen to this serial thing that I heard about, how do I do that? I have to be like, okay, well, you go to the podcast app and you do a search, or you can find the thing and you tap on it and all that. And it's and then she says, well, but how do I listen to it in my car? I'm like, okay, have you paired your car with Bluetooth? No, I haven't. All right, well, you know, it, it's this whole chain of things. It's just. And it's not something people are familiar with. People took a lot of time to understand how the web worked and how like Netflix worked. And this is another one of those things where you've got to explain streaming media and it's on demand, but you can also download them in advance. And it's just, there's a lot in there. And the more that the technology evolves, the easier it's all going to get, which is why I keep coming back to things like CarPlay and Android Auto. Like the more... Uh, this is all just kind of part of what everybody expects in their car and they can go boop and play something gets a lot easier, but, um, I don't know, I, I, but it's an exciting time to have this happening because I think it, I think it is, uh, is good for all of us. This American life actually made a, a really funny and clever video, um, about how to, how to listen to podcasts. I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. It's Ira Glass is with, uh, I think he says a friend, but I think it might be a relative. It's a lady who's in like her 80s or 90s. And she explains how to find, how to listen to the show. Hmm. It's very, very clever. Uh, I like, I, yeah, I, I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. It's, it's, yeah, it's how to listen to a podcast with Ira and May. And it will be in the show notes. Jason, where can people find the show notes for this show? You go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 10. Perfect. It's 10 funny. is the same number in English and American English. Indeed it is. It's a, it's a very funny. It's actually quite amusing. So I, I would uh, urge people to watch it. But, you know, things like that, that's pretty good. They, they, they explain it really well, actually. I, I thought they did a great job. Nice. Podcasting is the future. It's the future. It's happening. It's back. Um, do you want to do, do you want to talk about friends now, or do you want to talk about another topic before we talk about a friend? Let's talk about a friend. This episode okay. of Upgrade is also brought to you by our friends Smile, and we want to talk about Text Expander Touch today. Text Expander Touch is the fantastic app for your iPhone or iPad that's going to save you time and effort by helping you expand short abbreviations into frequently used text. Whether it's something simple like a frequently used address, maybe a shipping address that you use when you have when you buy things on the internet, an email signature that you frequently want to append that maybe even has an image in it, or several paragraphs of a standard response to an email support request that you get a lot, you're going to love how easy it is to use Text Expander to avoid typing those same things over and over and over again. With Text Expander Touch, you're able to sync all of your snippets with Text Expander on the Mac via Dropbox, meaning that all of your snippets are going to stay in sync on all of your devices. You can access your Text Expander snippets inside Smile's iOS app, where you can write little notes and you can copy and paste the text, or you can enable Text Expander in the over 60 apps in the App Store that have integrated snippets like OmniFocus, Day One, Fantastical, Draft, Launch Center Pro, and many, many more. But with iOS 8 came and Text Expander Touch 3, came the Text Expander custom keyboard so that you're able to expand abbreviations in any application on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch. So now even if an app doesn't support Text Expander snippets directly, you can just change the keyboard over and you have access to all of your snippets right there. This is something that couldn't have been done before iOS 8 and a new Text Expander keyboard has made it just perfect. I mean, you have everything. You have it right there. You don't have to switch into another app. You don't have to hope that your snippets are up to date. It's just there. 
The Text Expander Touch keyboard uh, communicates directly with the Text Expander Touch 3 application, so it needs to ask for that full access for the keyboard in the settings. This is because it needs to share the data between the application and the keyboard. Smile have updated their privacy policy on their website to show that they care about your privacy and they don't do anything crazy, and all, this is all, literally all they need it for. You can read that on their site if you are so inclined. You should go right now to the App Store and grab the new Text Expander Touch 3 and start saving time today. I'm a big fan. I could not recommend Text Expander enough. Text Expander on the Mac, Text Expander Touch on iOS. They save my bacon on a daily basis. If you want to find out more, point your web browser at smilesoftware.com upgrade. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. That's smilesoftware.com upgrade. And a good friend. A very good friend indeed. Mm. We like our friends and, and Smile are a very good mm-hmm. one like Hover. How, how, how can you not be friendly with a company that's called Smile? Exactly. Exactly. I'm very happy that their name is just Smile now. Smile on my Mac used to be their name and I never really understood that. That seemed like a haiku to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, I mean, or you the smile first down line upon... of a song. Yeah, there's a smile on my Mac. My Mac is now smiling. I'm smiling upon my Mac. I, 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 I'm just Smile. It's good. It's much better that way. Oh, what now? <laughs> well, what would you like to talk about? We have a few things. Well, I mean, we should talk about about app pricing a little bit. I, I think. Yes. I mean, the two big the two big stories from last week actually were these two interesting game releases: Monu- Monument Valley, the uh, the e- the extra levels of Monument Valley, and also Space Age came out last week. Two fa- absolutely fantastic games, like super good games. But their pricing is interesting because they they are not ninety nine cent games and they are not in app purchase driven games. Right, they're they're not in the um in the genre of you know freemium games, right? Where where you go and and get it for free and download some levels and then uh, you can opt to buy more levels for more. Uh, Space Age is four dollars, and uh, Monument Valley is four dollars. And the new Forgotten Shores expansion pack is an in app purchase of two dollars more. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know I. I it's interesting. The there was there was a minor kerfuffle, and it was minor. Um, and I like saying kerfuffle. Um, a minor, point. a minor dust up. A minor. Uh, there were some people who gave uh, Monument Valley one star. Good, my good. Uh, one star <laughs> reviews uh, because they were mad that um, that they had the the temerity to uh, to to charge for an update. How dare they? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that led to all of us sort of rolling our eyes and doing that. Come on, it's two bucks. You get more levels. Why, you know, why is this a big deal? And I wrote a piece on six colors about this because I think it's at least worth understanding why people are acting so entitled Mm. and, and, you know, one star reviews are like, those are people are babies and they're having a tantrum and, you know, okay, let's just give that as a given. But the question is why? And, um, and for developers, do they need to keep that in mind? Or do they just not care and say, you know, hey, babies, I don't care about you. Baby. You know, I'm, you're just being a baby. Um, and and I, I, I think it's worth having that conversation. I think it's worth saying what, like looking at what Monument Valley, uh, us two as the developer, looking at what they did and saying, what were their options here? And why did they choose? With, without knowing the details of their business, uh, why do they choose what they chose and what other things could they have chosen? And, you know, they had options. 
I had several people point out that they had the option to just give it away for free. Yep. And and that that would be and there's most people who make that argument. There's this implication that um, they'll give it away for free. It'll make their existing customers happy and everybody else in the world will then flock to buy it and they'll make more money that way, which I don't believe is true in most cases that's what <laughs> i think i think a lot of uh, uh app developers especially in the productivity category work that way whether it works for them i don't know but like you for example you see uh fantastic Hell releases a, a new update and they go back up the chart again because they get a bit of press or you know or omnifocus goes back up the chart again because they've had a good update that's the way that they that they work i don't know if that is the best way of working especially because you know you hear these days that the charts kind of aren't what they used to be you know getting to number 10 in the charts now is not like what it was a, a couple of years ago or something but i mean that's that's the way that it is done i do, but i'm not saying i think that's right or wrong but i think that's why you know you, you get you get basically I, I keep coming back to the fact that now the app store is its own economy and there are ways of working and there are expectations that live within that economy that have been built by developers, whether it could be EA as the developer, right? Or it could be Smile as the developer. There have been decisions that have been made and there have been uh, opportunities taken. And now we have a situation in which apps are expected to be cheap or free. And if you uh, charge the price of a cup of coffee, it's a premium app. And, Mm. But that's the world that we live in now. So it's about understanding how we work within those parameters. Complaining that, you know, $3 is is not going to be able to put food on the table. I understand that. And of course, I, I agree with that. And, and I buy applications for that amount of money if I think that I want them and I think that they're worth it and I want to support the developer. But that is the world in which we live now. Am I being unfair? No, I one of the things that a, a developer like us too has to deal with is the environment that they're in, right? And um, they can behave a certain way all they like, but they're not, you know, it isn't the us two app store. It isn't the Monument Valley app store. No. It's the app store. And, and every other, the behavior of every other app developer, especially of every popular app, impacts how their customers see what their business decisions are. And so... Through that lens, charging an in-app purchase when Doodle Jump is you know updated every month with new features and they never charge anybody for them because their strategy is to just keep yep. having people buy Doodle Doodle Jump and I think Doodle Jump the philosophy there and the whole argument here is only one percent of the world or a, one fraction of one percent of the world has your app so pretty much everybody doesn't have your app so you should just keep making it better and more people will buy it whereas. I think the argument for for Monument Valley might be this app is a premium app. It was promoted heavily. Everybody wrote about it. Apple promoted it. Apple's going to promote these expansions. Um, Everybody who is probably or most people who are likely to discover Monument Valley have discovered it. And our best audience for the new levels is the people who already played Monument Valley. So we're going to put it inside the game that you've already paid four dollars for. And we're going to charge for more levels. And that way, it's also fair in a way that somebody new who wants to play Monument Valley needs to buy the full game for $4. And then if they want the extra levels, they need to pay another $2. That was that was their decision. Um, they, you know, if you're used to getting free updates, especially they made some mistakes. I think uh, that some of their update um, 
communication to their customers was, we are going to be adding new levels in an update, <laughs> which I think was very easily in this environment read as we're going to give you new levels. And what they got, the up- update actually enabled the ability to buy new levels. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that that I think people make an assumption based on the environment that we're in in the app store. And that's okay. They could have opted. I mean, this is what I go to, through in my piece in, uh, on Six Colors. They could have opted... To I think the best option potentially was to go back in time. So first you got to build a time machine. But what mm. if Monument Valley had the first couple of levels for free? And then there was an in-app purchase for the last eight levels. And then there was a new in-app purchase for another set of levels. I don't think there would be complaints then. Um, maybe they decided at the time when it came out, they decided that's not the game they wanted to play. They didn't want to interrupt the, the, the game uh, experience that way because it is an experience to play that game it's not a i've had a couple people tell me well i don't really like the puzzles they were too easy it's like yeah they're not that hard but that's kind of not the point it's it's meant to be mildly puzzling and beautiful and atmospheric and that's why that game is is successful so maybe it's you know maybe they could have made it freemium it would have been junkier that way it's nicer the way it is um but they have they have to make that decision and and they're living in that environment but i do hate it when people assume that everything should be free that that is the problem because i think the the truth is if the only way that they could have released this was by making it free for existing customers they would not have made the levels because i don't think they believe there is enough of a market in new sales driven by the release of new levels to make it worth um, their while now they could be wrong about that, but I, I I bet you that was their calculation. When you heard uh, new levels coming, what did you expect? I assumed that it would be an in-app purchase. Although I think yeah. I heard that it was going to be an in-app purchase, but it's a premium app, right? It, 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 I paid for it, and so I, I I kind of expected that new levels would be paid. They could have released a, a second app, and I actually think one of the problems with a this. Um, this whole thing is that they conceived, you know, Monument Valley has an ending. And so how do you make a sequel? And they decided they weren't going to make a sequel. They were going to kind of insert new levels in between the sort of next to last level and the last level of the original story, uh, because that was a, a, that was a place where they could fit it into the story. And as a result, I don't know if it, it would make sense as a standalone app. I, and that would have been another way to go is just to release it as another $4 app or $2 app and say, it's Monument Valley 2. But they didn't want to make that. They 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 felt that this was just an addition to the existing, uh, to the existing story. So they had lots of options. Uh, this might be the right one. I think... I, I think their customers, you, you know, the other thing here is the customer isn't always right. <laughs> That's a, um, everybody always says the customer is always right. The customer is always right. No, customers can be unreasonable. And uh, more to the point, not everybody is your target audience. And people who aren't in your target audience will get really huffy about not being in your target audience. How dare you not target this to me? This should all be about me. But in reality, as a business, you need to choose who you're, who your target is and it's not going to be everybody and that's just that's just how it works sometimes and so in this case it may just be that they're like look our audience for this is people who love the first game and are happy to spend two dollars to get a a new experience in this game that's our target audience and yeah and we want to reach those people and we don't want to just add to the main game for free and hope we find people who weren't paying attention a year ago we want this to be to our core audience, these are the people who appreciate what we're doing here. They're the ones who are going to give us the money. And 
if you're not in that audience, you can be outraged about it. But, um, you know, that's their decision and it might be a good one. Uh, Sometimes good business decisions leave some people on the outside looking in and that's just how it goes. You you literally cannot make everybody happy. Like I see this more now uh, running a business, right? There are sometimes there are things that, that people ask you to do which make perfect sense to you, like the person asking, mm-hmm. and it also kind of makes sense to me as, as the business owner. But sometimes I try and weigh up the risk, reward, or just like the work and reward that's required for, for a decision and feel that it doesn't work out for me. Where it seems like a perfectly valid idea or a way of doing things, that doesn't necessarily mean that that matches with your ambitions and goals for your business. Mm-hmm. And and this is clearly the way that us two decided to go. Like they decided that what they would do is release this app as uh, release these levels as an update to the app. They could have released a second app and then, you know, whatever they would have been the benefits or negatives of that or not. I mean, we have no idea if Apple requested anything in this, you know, please do it this right. way or do, don't do it that way. We don't know. Um, but it's, they, they, you know, this is the way that they chose to go. And and I think for me, I think they made the right choice. I prefer having it all in one app um, and I would have given them the money anyway. Like I would have given them the money. I wanted to give them more money. Mm-hmm. This is one of those scenarios where I wanted to give them more. It's the same with Space Age as well. Um, I hope that they do more of this of that game because I loved it. Um, and, and I hope that there is more of that story. Same sort of idea, right? Apps that are about 4 or $5 each and tell great stories mm-hmm. and, and have a little experience and a short. And I like that because it's, like, yeah. it's longer than a movie and cheaper than a movie. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, some people are... are uh, I mentioned that people said, well, Monument Valley, the puzzles aren't very hard. And Space Age, I've heard that some of that too it's like oh it, it's so short and it's not you know parts of it aren't that hard and i mean i'm on the last level which my wife has beaten but i haven't and really uh, hard the last, last level, level. The last level's really hard yeah, I, I was texting federico i was like <laughs> please help me because we 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 interviewed uh, one of the developers matt Curry, right. on virtual and i was completing the game that day and i finished it five minutes before we started because i was struggling so much with the last mm-hmm. boss and i was just frantically texting uh federico and uh, getting him to help me yeah it's it's uh it's it's hard stuff there but earlier it's easy and actually this is i think one of the issues i like that they that they make it premium they say you're, you're gonna pay us four dollars for this you, this is this is a commitment and i yes i wish apple had a tryout or demo system but they don't and so your options are to make it free with an in-app purchase at a gate where you say look you can play the first two levels and then you have to stop the first level whatever it is or you can just say look buy this and you'll have a good experience um i i sometimes i think creative decisions factor into this um it's easier to do the gate after a level or two when it's a series of escalating kind of like uh, video game levels that are just, you know, more more guys or faster guys or whatever than it is when you're telling a story. And I feel like Space Age is a good example where um, I've talked to some people who started playing it and said, eh, it's kind of boring. I'm like, okay, well, it's telling you a story. And there, if it's not working for you, then that's a problem and it, maybe it's not for you. But um, that story unfolds over time and you actually have to get into to 
several levels before you realize that it's doing lots of interesting things with storytelling that you might not expect from a video game. But you have to get there. And and because of the way it's structured, um, I think it actually would have been a bad freemium game because the first couple of levels are really simple because they're trying to ramp you up and they're trying to explain how this whole system works. And, uh, and it, it calls into question the structure of the thing you're trying to build. I was actually talking, um, it's NaNoWriMo and I'm working on revising my uh, my novel this month. And I was I had somebody read it who's a novelist and a, and a writing uh, a writing teacher too. And one of the points he made was you're spending too much time. The first hundred pages, not a whole lot happens. You need to condense this and you need to provide, you know, more, more excitement early on because he said in reality, agents and publishers are looking for a reason to bail out of anything they're reading because they read so much. And if there, and if there isn't something really uh, solid and exciting at the beginning, um, it's going to make it hard to sell. That doesn't necessarily mean that all the best novels have something exciting at the beginning, but uh, the ones that it's going to be harder to sell it to anybody if you don't have that. And that reminded me of Space Age because it's the same thing. It's like they could have distorted their story to make it seem really awesome and exciting early on uh, before the gate dropped and you had to pay money. But, you know, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to tell the story in that way. And it would have made their story less good this story that they wanted to tell. Um, so they made that decision. So some of that is the creative decision. It's just like, um, and I think Monument Valley would be the same way. It sort of breaks the spell and they're trying, the whole idea here is these are beautiful and interesting and quirky works of art. They're experiences. They're not just puzzles. They're, 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 I hate to say, it sounds so pretentious to say they're experiences, but I, I can't find a better word for it. It's like you become, you're listening to the music, you're looking at the graphics, you're, it's like watching a movie except interactive. It's not playing something that's got like a bunch of levels, like, you know, playing wordament and just doing word searches all the time. It's not that kind of thing. And um, I think maybe the premium model works better for that. I have loads of games, especially on the iPhone, that have no end, like threes, right? I play, I still play threes every day. And I love those sort of games. But sometimes I want a game that has an end that I can reach without putting 45 hours in. And if it's going to cost me five five pounds or five dollars to get that game, I'm I'm happy with that. Like, and I really do. I mean, I love these these sorts of games, and 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 I'm pleased that you know there was that kind of outpouring of support for uh, us too. You know, where people kind of drove the the rating up because I think things like that are important to show that there is a market for it, um, even if your ratings sometimes tell you. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it turns out people rushed to us to defense more or less. And yeah. Gave them a bunch of five star ratings and, and it was fine. But it, it, it's interesting. I think the, the big picture here is it's very easy to look at something from the outside and say, oh, well, they should have done this. And people do that all the time. But they don't know the dynamics. They don't know the cost to us too to, to make this. They don't know you know, there's an assumption that they didn't think about it. I'm sure they thought about it a whole lot and they had lots of reasons to do it this way. Could they have communicated it better? I think yes. Uh, I don't think it would have mattered in the end. Um, I think they probably anticipated that there would be reactions like this and they decided this was the best way to go. Um, And it's an interesting lesson and it's worth everybody who is in the app uh, ecosystem, the app market the app industry needs to look at this and 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 use it as a as another lesson of like how do you define the uh 
the feelings of your target audience and how do you approach that? And I know people, I mean, Marco Arment took great care in figuring out the business model for Overcast and he went a bunch of different ways before he settled on one that he thought would make sense. Mm -hmm. And what he settled on was freemium. What he settled on was, you know, a limited version of the app for free and then you unlock one time to enable all the other features. And that, you know, he, he came up with a whole bunch of other ideas before he settled on that. So people are thinking about this stuff all the time. And this is another data point. And, and, uh, you know, in the end, uh, just because lots of games are, are, are freemium and lots of apps are freemium, it doesn't mean that that's the right approach for something like Monument Valley or, or Space Age, where it's a, uh, you know, a certain kind of game that is that is more of this experience and less of a casual like super you know super easy game it's like it's different and maybe this is the right approach for them maybe maybe this boutique you know you're buying it up front approach works better for this kind of game i don't know but i'm sure all the developers think about this a whole lot so if you'll allow me for a moment uh just a tad of cross promotion i'm hoping to be joined on inquisitive this week by uh, Monument Valley's executive producer, Dan Gray. So oh, I'll, I'll ask him a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> awesome. I'll get the answers get for you, Jason. He'll just say, nah, we didn't think about it. We just thought, you know, purchase sounds good. <laughs> and like, yeah. uh, I then see, we IAP has a nice ring to it. Kind of sounds like yeah. Ido, and we just went with it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm sure I'm sure that that's it. Um, but b- bottom line is, if uh, it, you know, it takes time and money to make these these apps and they need to find a way to make that work and, and to, and to get that money back. And I'm glad that they chose to make more levels of Monument Valley. Cause I was sad when I played through it because it was beautiful. And I think about it from time to time and, and uh, I've gone back and played it once or twice. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it's in the world and this is, I was happy to give them $2 for it. It was not a, it was a no brainer. The new ones are no, stunning. They are no, stunning orange foam brainer no. yeah they are it makes me laugh i mean again the puzzles aren't necessarily hard it's the it's those moments of delight again i'm sorry to use these words that sound like i'm on stage at an apple event but it's those moments of delight where you turn a wheel or you do something or you you you, you the perspective changes in monument valley and you go oh look at that i see that yeah. now that's yeah. what i love about it it's not the you know the diabolically difficult puzzles it's that those those moments of surprise where your perspective shifts and you see something more clever it's clever and you're in the listening to that music and looking at the the graphics and it's you know that's what i love about that and i've had some of those same experiences with space age where um, there are there are narrative things that happen that made me laugh out loud that i thought were really funny and uh and clever and you know that's part of it too do you have anything else you'd like to talk about today or should we, should we leave it there for today's episode? I think uh, I I think we could leave it there. I mean, at some point we should probably talk about... about uh, see, we're, uh, another vertical in this podcast is future products from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got the that Amazon TV stick thing that's their, that's their like Chromecast competitor. I've got oh. that ordered, but it doesn't come out for another week or something and then uh the amazon echo was announced which is like a siri speaker that lives in your house and listens to everything you say Mm. and that's a weird product with a weird product video and (laughs) we could talk about that but i signed up to be on the on the list to buy one of those oh really so we might well yeah you can always send it back right i kind of want to try it you're a technologist Um, 
yeah, I kind of, I kind of want to try that one. And I'm a Prime member, so it's cheaper for me than it is for other people. And and uh, I want to give that a try. But it's a weird product, and so we could talk about it now. But I think maybe. And maybe we will on a future show, but maybe we'll just do what we do in this podcast, which is promote that in the future we'll talk about Amazon uh, hardware products, but never get to it. When is the Echo likely to ship? It's unclear. It's just three to, to me. five weeks on their page at the moment. Yeah, but you ha- you you sign up. Oh, and then they say we'll let you know when. Oh. Yeah, we'll let you know when. Uh, when you can purchase one. So like I mine when I go to the Echo page it says thank you for your request. If selected, you will receive an email with an invitation to purchase in the coming weeks. Oh my word. How lucky. So I, how lucky you will know. be to to receive an invitation to spend $100 on Amazon. I wonder if we can get, do it in the UK. Let me see. No, it's not it's not in the UK. So. Yeah. No, but it is, you know, it's it's uh, what I like about Amazon is that they um, they have they feel the freedom to do kind of crazy products and mash up technologies and um, I think that's great. I don't know whether it's always practical. The Fire Phone was a flop, but maybe they'll learn from it. And uh, you know, although I look at the I saw an ad the other night for uh, the Fire Tablet. The Fire Tablet's a, a pretty good value, but I look at it and I think, wow, if you want an Android tablet, you shouldn't get it because it's not really an Android tablet. And if you want an iPad, you shouldn't get it because it's certainly not an iPad. What is it? It's this weird Amazon hybrid thing. And I don't know. I like Amazon a lot. I like their services a lot. And, you know, some of the stuff, I just, I'm not sure I'm convinced that this is stuff that people actually want. That that it's like Amazon wants it because they want you to be in their ecosystem. But I'm not sure they're making products that that actual people want. Yeah, they're making stuff that makes sense for Amazon. I mean, the Amazon Echo is literally like, we have this technology, what could we build with it? Um, and that's bad. But what's good is if there's somebody with a vision of like, you know, what would be great is if my speaker, you know, my, my Sonos kind of speaker could be controlled by voice and, oh, well, imagine we could do all this other stuff too. Um, you know, maybe there's a good product in there or maybe it's a disaster. I'm, I'm, I'm not encouraged by their product video, which is really cheesy, So bad, but but we'll 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 see. I think I could spend an hour just talking about that video. At that point, we should just watch too many cooks instead. Too so. many cooks. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. My my son leaving the house this morning. Um, he had to return. It's library day, so he had to return his uh, his books, and he had a stack of five books. And I I said too many books, and my wife and I were then singing to too many books all the way to school with him, which he was not happy about. But he had too many books. Too many books. Too many books. Too many books. Every podcast I'm on ends up in singing in the end. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Thank you so it much takes a to lot our sponsors. to make a book, especially <laughs> I'm just if gonna your talk friends at Hover. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hover and Smile, for supporting this week's episode. Yes. You guys are fantastic. And uh, thank you for helping us And good us friends. Out. They are good friends. They're very good friends. And Enemy you're... slot still available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazon? If you want to be a friend or an enemy, let us know. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. You are also our friends. And if you'd like mm. to get in touch with us, uh, I am at iMike on Twitter. I am Y-K-E. Jason is at Jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. We are uh, at relay.fm slash upgrade. If you go slash 10, you'll get the show notes for this week's episode. And you can also find the contact button to send us an email if you would like. 
Jason also writes thefantastic6colors.com and you should go and check him out and read his fantastic work, which you should be doing. If you're not already, why are you listening to this podcast as well? You should know mm. Jason's work, surely. Surely. If not... Maybe they never learn to read. Maybe. And if that's the case, I'm sorry. You have podcasts. You, you always, have that, always have the podcast. Always have the mm-hmm. podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Upgrade. Until then, oh hi, telephone. Arrivederci. <laughs>